Wow, how about that, man? Those people are in some kind of love, aren't they? They're leaping, they're seeking, they're bounding, they're peeking at each other. You ever, uh, you ever known somebody who's been crazy in love? If you're sitting next to your significant other, you might want to raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm crazy in love. I'm just like, woohoo, I'm just over the top. You know what? Here's the cool thing is that we know why. We know why that's happening. I had a buddy of mine, this is, this is years ago, we were at a large event. And he had just met somebody, like he had met that person, you, you know, you've met, you've ever encountered somebody like that. This was their person. And he had known them for maybe 10 days, two weeks at the most. And you know, this is a long time ago because he didn't have a, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't even own a cell phone yet. He said, can I borrow your cell phone? I got, I got to call him. I got to call him. And he did not care that anybody could hear him. He was like in a different world. And he was saying stuff. I was like, oh man, dude, you got to tone it down. I was afraid he's going to melt my phone. And all I can remember him saying is, do you know how much I love you? Do you know how much I love you? I just want, I just want to be with you so much. Man, this dude was crazy in love. Kind of like the couple from the Song of Solomon here. Leaping, bounding, peeking. I can't get enough of you. I can't, I can't learn enough about you. You notice it said in there, you have captivated my heart. And what's interesting about the captivating my heart, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but I just want to know everything I can know about you. You cannot film it. This is why people have 12-hour dates. You know anybody that's ever had a 12-hour date? Anybody here? How about a show of hands? A 12-hour date? Anybody know? I do. You don't? How about a five-hour date? Five-hour date? I had a buddy of mine that went so head over heels in love, he had a 12-hour like Skype date with somebody where they ate dinner together. They were on the other side of the world. They ate dinner together. They watched a movie and it was so good. They did it the next day. You know, you can't get enough. Of, you've captivated my heart. I can't get enough of you. I can't soak in enough about you. Well, everybody today, we're going to talk about paradise, paradise. What is paradise from a biblical sense? And what is paradise from what is it that we look for in our own sense? And here's what paradise is. Paradise is like being fully alive. It's you are making the most out of life. From a, from a meaningful, like feeling fully alive life, you're like way up here. You don't feel here mediocrity, which is where we find ourselves a lot. And you don't feel way down here. But paradise in the Bible, because the Bible begins with paradise. It's like, whoa, man, I am just charged up. And here's the cool thing. We know why. We know why people find themselves in paradise. We know why we feel fully alive. We know why we feel like I am filled with purpose and meaning. We know exactly why, and that is what today is all about. Now, I want to say something here in the beginning, and I'm going to hope that I remind myself to come back to this at the end, okay? Men, all right, so men are at a significant disadvantage at experiencing paradise. Men are at a significant disadvantage, a significant disadvantage of making the most out of life, of living a life full of meaning and purpose. Men are at a very, very, very significant disadvantage to that. Most men, most men, the challenge is probably won't experience life at its best. In the terms of life and paradise and everything I just explained, they will be underperformers, not above performers. And hopefully I'm going to come back at the, and maybe it'll make sense. All right. What did we talk about last week? Where does it all begin? Every discussion about relationships has to begin with the most powerful force in all of our brains. And that is fear. You got to deal with fear. So we talked about a couple bubble. 
And we had a couple, if you weren't here last week, you can watch this online, but we had a couple. There's Matt and Robin Komar, right? Like they had created such a safe space. Like they had, it says perfect love drives out fear. It's a Bible verse. Perfect love drives out fear. They had driven fear out of their relationship so much that a bubble materialized around. And that's the, that's the, that's a picture I wanted everybody to have in their brain. That's what you got to create. And whether family, friends, whatever, but definitely in your romantic relationships, this is what you want to create. Now, human beings. All of us in this room, we have never lived outside of our heads. You know that? We've never lived outside of our heads. We have always lived life inside of our heads. So we have to figure out what's going on inside of our heads. Because if you want a smoking hot relationship, if you want to be fully alive, if you want to experience paradise, life at its best, you got to figure out what is going on inside of our heads. Well, social scientists have made this really clear. They know what's going on. They know why we experience paradise and they know why we don't experience paradise. Now, I'm going to say this at the beginning and then I'm going to try to refrain from saying this throughout, not so, so that I'm not obnoxious. I'm saying this as much for me as I am for you. I'm trying to remind myself not to say this over and over and over again because in the last 30 years, we have learned so much about our brains. Remember, we, everything we do in life is inside of our heads. We have learned so much in the past 30 years about our brains and the things that we have learned. And this is an overwhelming abundance of facts, overwhelming abundance of facts. And everything that we have learned, the Bible said it 3,000 years ago, everything. It totally coincides. So you're here today. It's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I could experience paradise. Maybe I could experience life the most. No, no, no. You, you can. You absolutely can. You can do it. And the Bible outlined it in its purest form 3,000 years ago. It is absolutely amazing. And you can fully trust it because now we have this abundance of evidence that, yep, yep, the Bible is absolutely 100% scientifically, historically accurate and true. So I want to talk about our brains for a moment. And first we're going to go with, some people call it your old brain. Some people call it your reptilian brain, your animal brain. Some people call it your primitive brain. I'm for just simplicity's sake today. I'm going to call it your automatic brain. Okay. And maybe I might refer to it as your animal brain from time to time, but here's the thing about the most basic part of your brain. All right. It's all about power. It's full of fear. It's fast and very cheap to run. It just runs all the time. It doesn't ask for your permission to run. Say, hey, you know, can I run? No, no, it runs. It's running. It's there. It's there all the time. It's the oldest part of your brain. It's that, it's that very power-hungry, self-centered side of your brain. We all have it. I know we don't want to admit it, but we all have it. It's the first in the chain of command. Like it doesn't seek, hey, you know, can I activate? No, no. It's activated all the time. Operates without your permission. Social scientists say it's an agent of war. Did you know you have an agent of war inside of you? Now, all of a sudden, the Bible makes a lot of sense when it says there's a war going on inside of us. You have an agent of war, social scientists say. It is the beast within. How you like that? It is power hungry. It's where fight, flight, or freeze comes in. It's the law of the jungle. We all have a jungle inside of our brains. It's the old part of our brain. It's our automatic brain. It just, it's into boundaries and barriers and separation. It's only the strong survive. It's about survival of the fittest. It is resistant to change. It does not like to change. And the last thing I say, it's cheap to run. It's cheap to run. It's kind of like, you know, your, your laptop or your phone, you know, how it goes into, you know how it goes into sleep mode, okay? This part of your brain never goes into sleep mode. It's just like, it's just there. It's running, it's cheap to run, doesn't take a lot of energy, and it just runs, runs, runs. It is very, very Darwinian, 
Okay. Now here's the another side of your brain. The other side of your brain, we're going to call it your human brain. It's focused on love. It's your social brain. It promotes peace and harmony. People put all kinds of different names to it. Your neocortex, your social brain, um, the new brain, the human brain. Let's just call it today your love brain. Okay? So you got your automatic brain that just runs all the time. Okay? And this has to do everything about your meaning and purpose and has everything to do about your relationships. So you got this automatic animal brain and then you've got this love brain on the other side. It's a gift from God to you. We don't know why you have it. Okay? You, people will say we're, you know, we're, we're animals. We have the same instincts. Yes, 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 but, but you have this other part of your brain. And nothing else in the world has it. We don't know why you have it. How did you get it? What makes you so distinct from all the animals in the world? And as you read the Bible, it's fascinating because in chapter 2, it, 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 it's the only story that we have that tells us why we have it. Scientists are like, we don't know why we have it. We just do have it. It's the one thing that clearly distinguishes you. It is the one, one clearly thing, one clear thing that distinguishes you from all of animals. And that you have this brain and we don't know why. We don't know why. Genesis chapter 2 says God brings all the animals to Adam to look at them. And he's like, no, there's no match here. I'm different than these animals. I'm different than these animals. And then along comes Eve. And we're told there in chapter 2 that God breathes into Adam the breath of life. The breath of life. It's the only story that we have that totally syncs up why you and I have this love brain this social brain, this new brain. Very, very important. That's how the Bible begins. So uh, this love brain is social. It's civilized. It's refined. It's rational. It uses intellect to promote peace and harmony and lasting relationships. It's calm. It's cool. It's collected. It thrives on novelty. It loves to learn. It has a lot of neuroplasticity, which means it can change. It can change. That old animal brain, that automatic brain, it doesn't like changing a whole lot. But it is very, very expensive to run. Remember I said a second ago that that automatic brain, that animal brain, it's just on all the time because it doesn't take any energy. Well, your love brain, right? That brain that God gave you, that love brain that you have, that neocortex is very expensive to run and it likes to go into sleep mode a lot. Okay? And that's a problem. That's a problem. And so what ends up happening is we automate stuff. We automate things. Matter of fact, some people say as much as 99% of our day is automated. It's automatic. It's automatic, right? And it's functioning off of that. Once you've learned something, once you get, like when you drive home, if you go home from place to place, A to B, whether it's work and home or whatever, you do it after a while, right? In the beginning, that social brain, that God-given brain of yours, that rational brain was fully engaged. But once you've got it down in memory, it goes to sleep. And now you're into that automatic brain and you're just, you're just automating everything. So have you ever driven home? It's like you got home and you, you pull into wherever you're like, how did I get here? I don't remember anything. What happened? I hope I didn't hit somebody along the way. I hope I didn't do something bad along the way. It's because you're in your automatic brain and that brain, that big, beautiful brain that distinguishes you from everything else on this planet likes just to go to sleep. It goes to sleep. And there in lies the problem. Here's what social scientists say. Without that human brain, without that love brain that God gave you, most of us would probably uh, be alone, friendless, miserable, and some of us would be in prison. Now, I want you to watch a clip from Love is Blind. Content experts. I had a content expert put together this clip. Okay? Love is Blind. Anybody a Love is Blind content expert? Huh? 
Not going to admit it this week, huh? Not going to admit it. Okay. All right. I saw somebody put a hand up, but they were actually scratching their head. All right. Okay. I want you to look for the automatic animal brain at work in this clip. Okay. Can you do that with me? All right. Let's turn to the screen and let's see what happens. Ooh, and there it is. There it is. It's nature, baby. We're all animals. Matter of fact, I, I think that's a fan favorite content experts. That guy, right? I don't, what is his name? Oh, okay. Some of you. <laughs> you wouldn't raise your hand, but boy, you knew his name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shake, shake, shake. Is he a vet? He's a vet. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I see you shaking your heads out there. Okay. So you don't want to raise your hand, but boy, you guys know what the deal is. All right, we're all animals. Okay, everybody. This is where relationships collapse. You, you, you want to know where that line is? Where they, this is it. We're all animals. Okay, if you're all up into your automatic brain, your animal brain, which you have, undeniable fact, that relationship, if you're not operating in the brain that God gave you, again, only story we know about where you got that brain from. Nothing else on this planet has that brain except for you. This is the distinguishing part. Unless you're operating in that brain that God gave you, according to Genesis chapter, that love brain, that human brain, that social brain, unless you're operating that, relationships will collapse. Matter of fact, this is the fact. Matter of fact, listen, listen to this. Social scientists say you want the most direct path, the most direct path to world peace. This is it, what we're going to talk about today. So whether it's peace between you and some other person, a romantic partner, a family or whatever, or world peace, the most direct path is to activate this brain, your neocortex. And the only story we have about that is the story that God gave us in Genesis chapter two. Now, it's very, very hard to do. And so some of you might be saying, hey, it's so hard to do. Why bother? Why? Boom. Why bother? Here's why you want to bother. We said last week, the most difficult thing to ever do is be in a relationship with another human being. So why do you want to put yourself through it? Because without interdependence, right, our, our country is really into independence, if you haven't noticed. We're really about this. And, and social media and phones and all this has just exasperated the problem. Without interdependence, you will never have and experience the life that you are meant to experience. Uh, meaning, so, so when we talk about what's going on with anxiety today, what's going on with meaninglessness, what's going on with the lack of inspiration, what, you know, there's a, there's a crisis right now and the crisis is apathy. A lot of people feel apathetic. Okay. All of these things, meaning purpose, feeling at peace, harmony, all these things about living a great life are all attached to, are you having, do you have a secure functioning relationship in your life? End of story. Happiness is love. Do you have a secure functioning relationship in your life? And if you don't, you will underperform. You will not experience. And so we know exactly how this happens. We're not confused about it. We know exactly how. And this has been talked about uh, so much, so much in the last 30 years about what is going on. We can live the best life possible if we have a healthy, secure, functioning relationship. You absolutely can't have a great life unless you have this. Now, here, let's, let's do a couple disclaimers. The first disclaimer, and we said this last week, I just want to remind you, you can be single and satisfied, all right? There is this person, we said last week, his name is Jesus. And a lot of people say, oh, okay, church is all about married people. There's a person that we follow. His name is Jesus Christ in Christian churches. And he was single and he was satisfied. You don't have to be married, but you do have to have relationships. No, you do have to have secure functioning relationships, okay, in order to be satisfied. You can be single and satisfied. Let's go to the next disclaimer we did last week. Most desire loves warm fire. 
That's just a reality. Over 90% of Americans actually want to have a romantic relationship. They want to have that significant other. They want to have another person in their life. And so that's why we're doing Love is Blind. But as long as you prioritize your person, now that can be your family, that can be your friends, that can be anything, but you got to have a person. You got to have people, people that you count on. A few weeks ago, I had uh, Ryan and Liz Bracken, they were up here on stage and their son, I think he's about 10 now, was sitting right over here and they were up here, I think they were reading the scriptures and, and, and little Matthew Bracken leans over to whoever was sitting next to him and he pointed up to his parents on the stage and he said, those are my people. Those are my people. Okay, here's the point. Do you have people? Do you have people? Because that's how you experience paradise. That's how you experience what the Bible talked about in the beginning. And why are we underperforming in that? Why are we not experiencing that? There's no question why we're not experiencing that if we don't have secure functioning relationships in our lives. Why are they leaping, seeking, peeking? Why are they so fired up? It's because both sides of their brain are fully active. Paradise everybody, is when both sides of your brain, your automatic animal brain, it's just going to function. But you have got to activate this side of your brain. Both sides have to come together. That's where paradise is experienced. So I want to show you something. We've been talking about it for months and months and months. But I want to show you from a hyper-relational standpoint, from a romantic standpoint, I want to show you where the Bible begins. And I want to show you why it's so important. I want to show you paradise. Where does it begin? It's in Genesis chapter two. Paradise is not in Genesis chapter one. Let's be very, very clear. Let's be very clear what's going on in the beginning of the Bible, because this is the most important thing in the Bible, relationships. This, the Bible is the only place or the first and only place that talked about world peace and harmony. Do you you realize that? It's the first and only place. This is where it begins. You think world peace is great. Okay. This is where where it begins. And it talks about paradise, but that's in Genesis chapter two, not Genesis chapter one. And what happens is when both sides of these brain, this brain is pumping. Okay. Let me tell you something. Genesis uh, chapters one and two, right? Genesis one and two tell two different creation stories. Maybe you've noticed it, maybe not. A lot of people who've been to church all their life have never noticed this. It tells us two different creation stories and academics have come along and said, oh, okay, that's why I don't trust the Bible because it's absolutely ridiculous because it contradicts each other. You have two different creation stories. You have two different names of God. You have two different orders of creation. You have two different points of emphasis, okay? So when I was in seminary, they said, this is why, you know, the Bible, it's just kind of all over the place, all right? That is not a very deep, well-informed, and actually, wait a minute, all all the way back to the way it was being understood when the Bible was written, okay? There's a different thing at work here that makes the most sense that we'll ever encounter in all of our lives. The Bible is the purest story about how we can have a great smoking hot romantic relationship or just great relationships that promote world peace. So let's take a look at this. In Genesis chapter one, and this will be a review for some of you, in Genesis chapter one, it's all about power, okay? God's name is Elohim. It is not the unique name of God. So when you read in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Okay, that's not God. It is God, but it's not God. It's a generic name for power. Okay, that's not the essence of God. We need to know this. Okay, it separates. And it must cease for paradise to exist. 
So what you find in Genesis chapter one is God is Elohim. Elohim is a judge. There's judgment. There's good and there's bad and everything's about separation. Sounds a lot like your animal automatic brain. It's all about survival. It's all about power. It's all about separation. God in Genesis chapter one is seen as the perfect CEO or a king. He, he just speaks and boom and, and everything just gets separated here and there and all over there. That's what power does. Power separates. Power declares good and bad. And that's the picture that you got. It is your automatic brain at work. It is your animal brain at work. And when you read it through that lens, it'll just make so much sense, so much sense at how so recently, so much of social science and the study of our brain just, just, just comes and just says, yes, this is it. God is seen as the apex predator in Genesis chapter one, separating everybody. Now, God, his essence is not Elohim. His essence is in power, but God has the most power. And then what does God say? He makes, he makes man, right? He makes humanity. And he says, okay, you're to serve me. And then the earth is going to serve you. You're going to rule. You're going to have dominion. You're going to have power because that's what power does. Power gets served, right? We're clear with that, right? There's a hierarchy. The lion is the king of the jungle. There's a hierarchy. And that is Genesis chapter one, full on. That's how God says, let us make man. Who's us? Who is us? We'll try to come back to that in just a moment. But the thing that is really curious is, right, there's seven days of creation. Like all these days get separated. We're separating everything out. And then you get to the Sabbath day. And it's the seventh day. And it never, right, that day never ends. But what does Sabbath mean? Sabbath means to cease. Sabbath means to stop. What is that saying to us? Power has to end. Your automatic brain has to have something else. It has to stop. God has to stop. Everybody, you know what cancer is? Cancer is when something will not stop. It just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And what God is saying to us in Genesis chapter one is at some point your animal brain has to be reined in. You have to have limits to it. And so if you want to have a great relationship, you're going to have to rein it in. Now, what happens in Genesis chapter two? Oh my gosh. And yet look at how this juxtaposes. You got power and you got love. God's name is Elohim. It's Hashem Elohim. Uh Uh-oh, we have an integration. What is Hashem? That's the essence of God. It's the name of God. It's all about uniting. You read Genesis chapter, there's no seven days of creation. There's no seven days of creation. Nothing gets separated. Everything's being unified. There's no seven days. Everything's done in one day. Well, which is it, John? Is it seven days or is it one day? Power divides. Love unites. This is the essence of God. Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever you want to say, Hashem, Elohim. But it's an integration of both that automatic brain and that love, beautiful love brain that God gave you. It unites. Paradise is fully integrated. So why in the Song of Solomon, why in the world, everybody in the Song of Solomon, is this couple so jazzed up about each other? They just can't, they just can't get enough because both sides of their brain is, is firing. Listen, Genesis chapter one, there's no Garden of Eden. You don't get to Garden even to get to Genesis chapter two. And we all want paradise. We absolutely want. We want to be fully alive. We want to sense meaning. We want to sense purpose. And here is how we absolutely, absolutely know it happens. It's when both sides of your brain are firing. It's when you wake up both sides of your brain. But the problem is we automate. We automate our relationship with God and we automate our relationship with others. So how are we going to get around that? How can that stop? We have got to, we, we, we've got to see it end. We've got to have a Sabbath day in order for us to experience paradise. Paradise is a fully functioning brain. Now, this is why the Bible talks so much about our brains. 
So it begins, the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1-2 is all about what's going on up inside of your head. And then the rest of the Bible just talks about our minds, our brains, over and over and over again. Most famous verse in the New Testament is, For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved. Hashem, love. Yahweh, love. The essence of God, love. Be famous for love. God so loved the world that he did what? What did he do? What's that next word? That he gave, okay? All right, your automatic animal brain, which we all have, would never give. That's a taker. It takes. It's, it's survival of the fittest. It's Darwinian. It would never give. It would always take. But God, what is his essence? His essence is love. That's that wonderful brain that God gave you. The Bible says things uh, like this. Above all else, guard your mind because that's where life comes from. Guard your mind. Have the same mind as Jesus. Don't conform to this world. Don't conform to the animal automatic brain. Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. This is why the Bible talks about it. Take captive every thought. Put on the new person, the new person. Look, you've, that old brain's been around for a really, 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 really long time. But for some reason, arose only one time in history. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. And we don't have a good story for it, except for Genesis chapter 2, that you got the brain that nobody else on this planet has. That you have a human brain that's social and promotes peace and harmony. We don't know you have it other than Genesis chapter 2 tells us this. Put on that new brain. Put on that new mind. Clothe yourself in love. Set your mind on things above, right? Don't automate. Instead, instigate. Move that brain into motion, all right? Are you automating a relationship right now? If you are automating any relationships in your life right now and you're not stoking the fires of that brain that God gave you, your love brain, then your relationships are in jeopardy. And what that means is paradise for you is in jeopardy in meaning and hope. It is in jeopardy for all of us. So what happens in Genesis chapter two and Genesis chapter three? And then why does everything, why does everything go bad? Well, it's a fa- It's fascinating. Because we have this serpent. Serpents were feared back in those days. We have this serpent comes along and is speaking to Eve. And what, what, what does the serpent do? Immediately fear. Hey, stokes the fire. Let's make sure you're, you're, you're completely into your automatic brain. God is called Elohim. God is not called the fully integrated Hashem Elohim. God is only called Elohim. Power. You should be afraid of power. Did power tell you? Did the apex predator tell you that you can't eat of any of these trees in the garden? So now what happens when you get fully functioning in fear? Your relationships break down. So what happens? The relationship breaks down. And because of the relational breakdown that happens there, Adam and Eve choose their automatic brain. They choose power. They choose fear. They choose the animal side. And so famously in Genesis, God says they become like one of us. One of us. One of us. They haven't become like... Hashem Elohim, Elohim, they haven't become that. They've become like one of us, and there's where all the problems are. So what happens right after that? Adam objectifies Eve. Eve dismisses Adam. They both throw each other under the bus. They're blaming other people, okay? And then the final part of it is, is their offspring, their children, brother kills brother. It's the greatest story that has ever been told. 
So what do we have to reject? We have to reject becoming like one of us. Now, social scientists tell us there's a clear way out of this. You want to experience life at its fullest? You want to experience a love life at its fullest? Okay, we got the answer. We know how. This is, this is how you do it. You stoke the fires of that brain that God gave you. And you reject right? The automating of the brain. So when a couple comes together, like my buddy in the beginning, and he's so fired up, it's because both sides of his brain are on fire. And then eventually that love brain of yours says, you know, it's taking a lot of energy. I'm going to automate this situation. And you get into that animal brain and you operate in fear and you start treating people in, um, through a lens of fear. And the relationship goes down, 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 down. So how are we going to stoke the fires of that brain? Well, social scientists give us a number of ways. They say there's clearly, there's clearly a way out. And that way out of it is what they call a social contract. The Bible calls it a covenant. Covenant. The Bible talks a lot about meditating. We meditate on things that actually cause our brain, the rational side of our brain, the one that promotes social harmony and peace to get fired up. We think about things. We meditate on it. A uh, number of years ago, many years ago, actually, Chris and I, we took our honeymoon. We took our honeymoon to Bermuda. Now, if you've ever been to Bermuda, you know that they drive on the wrong side of the road. And when, when we were leaving the airport in a taxi cab, uh, going to the place where we were going to stay, there was a, a turn and then a bridge. And here we are sitting in the back and we can see the big window out in front. And here comes very rapidly another car around that turn. And he was on our side of the road, right? And we just both screamed, ah, you know, and the driver's like, well, what's wrong with you? You know, we're in Bermuda. We drive on the correct side of the road. Okay. But see, this is what is very natural is for you and I to operate in a certain mindset in that automatic side of our brain. That's very natural. You're going to do that. You've got to do something to get out of it. So what happened for the next week? I immersed myself in driving on the opposite side of the road. I make. I was fully, because we rented a moped there and I was fully engaged. Like I was thinking, thinking, oh my gosh, you got to think, okay, are you on the correct side of the road? You don't want to get hit. So I was fully engaged. We had a great time. Both sides of our head were just, right? They're fully functioning, okay? I came back, we came back to the States and I remember just a couple days later, I went across the street and I didn't know which way to look for traffic. So you're going to have to do something. Here's where the Bible comes in, everybody. The Bible is a love book. If you look at it through an automatic brain fear book, you are going to misunderstand the Bible and you're not going to activate that side of the brain that God gave you. It's the God-given gift that God gave you. But when you read it that way and you meditate and you think about it, like people used to say meditation is when you empty your mind. That's wrong. Science will tell you that's just ridiculous. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's not going to get you anywhere. Meditation is when you meditate on the most important things. And the Bible has the greatest story that activates when you meditate on it it's going to activate that social part of your brain it's going to fire it up so that you can have the greatest life possible that's why it begins with paradise and paradise is when you're activating both sides and so this is why you this is why you do it you have to think and we're going to get into a lot of little details next week but i want to just want to tell you in closing this one thing that's really important so the social scientists will tell you this you're not going to remember all the little things you're, you're going to forget them. I'm going to tell you all little tricks that you can do to activate your brain next week. But you're not going to remember them all. So here's what social scientists say. You've got to have one big idea. you got to have one big idea. Now, what does the Bible say? The Bible says you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to follow Jesus. You've got to focus on Jesus. And at the beginning of, the, of John, 
it mirrors what happens in the book of Genesis. Like the start of John says, in the beginning, and it sounds so much like the start of Genesis. And then it says in verse number 14, Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth. Grace is love. Truth is power. Jesus brings the two together, and that's why he's the most transformational person we've ever known. And so the social scientists will say this, you've got to have a fixed point. You've got to have a fixed point because in psychology, there's something called transference. And if you are not fixed on an idea, so you can't deny transference. So when you focus on following Jesus, it is the only way. It is the only way. Whatever you fix yourself on, because we all want a hero, whatever you fix your eyes on, whoever you're following, whatever they embody, that's going to affect you. And Jesus is the perfect example of grace and truth. He's the perfect example of bringing together both sides of your brain. Now, I said this in the beginning. Men are at a significant disadvantage for this. Men's and women's brains are almost identical except for one thing, one thing, one thing. And a man's brain is heavily, heavily wired for fear. A man's brain is heavily wired to be alert A man's brain is wired that he's afraid of losing something. That when he makes a decision for something, a woman's brain, the one thing is they want to come together. A woman's brain is more wired for relationships and a man is all about boundaries, separation. It's just the way it is. So most men, most men will not experience life at its best. Most men in Washington, D.C., a city built for performers, we will underperform rapidly, wildly. Everybody, this is just a scientific fact. Some of us are here today. Okay, John. Okay. All right, man. Okay. Let me sum up all this stuff I'm trying to say to you. It is so clear, scientifically clear. The Bible has said it 3,000 years ago. Guys, if you want to make the most of your life, you're going to have to have a fixed point. And there's no other place that you can go that tells us the story of what that fixed point is better than Jesus Christ. Don't live your life and miss out on all of its meaning. We're going to close in just a second. And um, I don't want to miss out either. And I automate all the time. And I'm going to, our prayer walls over here and we have a prayer team over here and we're going to, we're going to pray everybody and go over there. But, uh, if you're a guy, you're like, you know what? Um, I want to fix and follow my eyes on Jesus. I want him to fire up my life, my brain so that I can experience the most out of life. I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt today, this is the only way. This is the only way, and there's no doubt about it. I'm just going to invite the guys to come up come up front here in, in a moment, and we're going to have a prayer. I, I'm going to be there, so if nobody else comes, that's fine, because I definitely, definitely, definitely need it, okay? So I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to invite you. Seth's going to keep playing on the, on the keyboards here. Grayson 5 is over here. You can meet Pastor Derek right over here. Um... If you're new to grace, please just come over and see Pastor Derek. But after I pray, if, um, if you're a guy like, man, I just don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. Then I'm going to ask you to join me here. And uh, we're going to focus on following Jesus. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, that you've made it so clear. Like, there's no doubt. <laughs> the evidence is just so overwhelming. It's an abundance of evidence. It's incredible, God. Help us, Lord, all of us, all of us, men and women alike. But God, because men are at such a disadvantage, help us, God, 
to stop worrying about what we're going to miss out on and forfeit the life that you have for us fully alive. Help us, Father, to fix our eyes on Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.